In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by pop R&B singer-songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist Highland. This is a fun episode, man. Highland and I actually go back a few years, and I connected with him at the Springboard Music Fest in West in San Diego, and I just knew uh, right there that I loved everything he, that he was about, and I wanted to build a relationship with him. You know, so it's cool to have him on the pod. You know, he talked to me about how much he appreciated what I do because it's my positive attitude and he's just really appreciative of how I approach the work I do with artists. So that was really good for him, really nice for him to, to tell me that. Um, but we talk about him being born in North Carolina, but living in several, several, several places across the states, from Florida, California, Georgia, and currently residing in Texas. And he just loves Texas because everything, um, just the, Better, for people who just want to such a better quality of life and expand their brand over a long period of time, this is a great place to be. Um, Holland is really somebody who is driven to just make great quality music, you know. Um, he talks about him being introduced to music at the age of, at the age of two, playing drums and pursuing music. Uh, for learning to record and write and produce from ages pretty much two all the way up to 19 or so. Um, we talk about the fact of, you know, great records require uh, collaboration, and that's what it takes to make a great record to be awesome. You know, we talked about uh, his work with Jan Smith, who's a vocal coach, and how she really refers to Holler as him being a vocal athlete. And, and just the way he approaches music. Um, and him really kind of loving urban black music, you know, but also being influenced by pop and rock and, and all sorts of other genres. Uh, you know, we end the episode talking about, you know, the cover he did of, of Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing, as well as... Um, just all he's doing on how he approaches the business side of his career from you know establishing his fan base and things of that nature. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast. It's episode number 49, and we got a special guest today. This is my guy, Highland, man. This this guy is real special, man. I've We got connected about three years ago, and it's funny because I caught him at the Springboard Music Fest. Shout out to Barry Coffin and Springboard. That's, you know, my people over there. And he was, I know he had, he had to run. I think he had to catch a flight. And I was able to catch his set. So this dude is really, really special. And I like I knew I wanted to to work with him. And we just built a relationship. And 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 um he's just so special, man. And his music is is global. Uh his music is doing really, really well overseas, still generating money mm. uh, through my distribution platform. So yeah. still to this day, we put those songs out a couple of years ago. So is still still doing real well over there. So this guy's real special. So I'm glad to have, uh, glad to have you, man, uh, on, on, on the pod today. 
Thanks for having me, Darrell. You you know how special you are to to me and the the whole artist community. Um, you know, I, I was talking to you a little bit before this about just how there's like there's like cheap positivity and then there's like positivity that has weight to it because of the person's process and their the wisdom and the knowledge and the history they have behind it. You're that dude that carries that. And uh art, us artists really benefit from it. And um yeah, man, overseas the 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 Korea thing is pretty special. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. And I owe you I owe you some money. Give me some money. <laughs> I owe you I owe you a few dollars. So that'll probably be coming in next month. So what's funny what's funny about the uh the Springboard Fest is uh I was in a hurry to to catch that flight out because I think we rescheduled my performance time or something. Yeah. Um, and then the flight got canceled. So if I was, oh wow, I (laughs) I didn't even know that. Yeah, if I was more prophetic, I would have just, I would have known that was going to happen, and I just would have, I just would have hung out. It's all good, man. But I, I got a chance to see what I was able to see, and I knew right away that you were just a really dynamic talent. And it shines through, man. Look, the cream always rises to the top. Mm-hmm. But does that mean, you know, music is not a meritocracy like sports? You know, usually when it comes to sports, the best of the best players usually win, you know, usually get to the top. But unfortunately, yeah. music doesn't work that way. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, uh, sometimes you can be the best of the best musically, but trying to build a career in today's space, while it is so rewarding to be able to do it your way, there's a lot of challenges that come along with that. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of artists struggle. We'll get into that a little bit later, you know, on the business side of your career. But mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, man. So where are you where are you originally from? I know you were you spent you you spent some time here in Florida too, right? I did. I did. <clears throat> kind of been all over. Um and kind of reluctantly so, but uh I was born in North Carolina. Yeah. Um Love it there. Yeah. Uh, and then um, when I was nine, moved down to uh, Central Florida area, Lakeland. Um, okay, not too far from me. So I'm in not, Orlando. Not so, too yeah. far. <laughs> which I, I, I love Orlando and Tampa so much. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then it ended up moving um, to California for a couple of years, like uh, Northern California for school. Came okay. back to Florida. Um before we moved to California, I met my wife. Um, right. And so, and then we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. We spent about a year and a half there. And then, then we moved to Texas and Texas has been uh, really good to us. We're, we're happy to be here. So now I'm in the Woodlands, Texas, which is about 30 miles um, North of Houston. It's like a Houston suburb kind of thing. Yeah. I've driven through there. Uh, oh, yeah? Like, uh, yeah. I think a friend of mine was, is lives over there. My friend, um, Alexandra, she works for NASA. She's actually she's an audio engineer. She's a full soul grad, and like her first real job out of school is freaking working for NASA. Man, it's freaking that's it's incredible. You know what I mean? I mean that's like that's that's pretty that's pretty cool to land your first real audio job. Because uh, she wanted to make beats, you know, but she realized that she didn't like to be in the studio that right. much. So she's like, yeah, right. you really didn't enjoy the studio life. So she's like, oh, let me go do something else with audio and she landed with NASA and it's, hey. that's amazing. So she's, she's, she's already won an Emmy. She's done so many cool things. So that's so. she's sick. pretty young. She's probably mid, mid to late twenties. So, you know, I mean, it's pretty impressive what she's already been able to do, you know, cause most people would like to finish at NASA, much less start there. 
Right. <laughs> right. My so, goodness. That's you so know, awesome. So, yeah. So, I know she, I think we've driven through. I think I've driven through the woodland. But because Texas is Houston is big, man. You know what I mean? Houston it, is huge. <laughs> it's so huge. Yeah. So huge. And, and more. And honestly, a lot of people are moving here from yeah. uh, from Cali. And um, yeah. Yeah. It's a good time, though. What would you what, what would you say the music industry the music scene there? I mean, of course it's not an industry, a quote unquote industry there, but what would you say for artists who were thinking about okay, I want to get out of the LA, hustle and bustle of, of LA? And what would you say, would you say that Houston's a good place to be? Based off your experience? Or, I you think know? I, I here here's what I'll say. I think um I'll I'll say the Texas economy is really good. And I think what you have to, what you have to kind of uh, discern is, do I want to work maybe three jobs, but be in a in a mecca music city like Nashville or LA, or do I want to have a little bit more of a quality of life because I'm thinking longevity, yeah. uh, have have a better income and be able to kind of like support uh, building your brand. Right. from kind of a more like healthy place uh but not be in the mecca but be able to have the money to where you can just like get up and fly into LA when you want and right. so i think i think those there's kind of two lanes there right. I, we chose after being really really tired from moving a lot uh we but still having like such a fire and hunger for uh, for building something, we we decided like the second option was was for us in the season, and um, I I regret a lot of things in life. I don't regret that. I, I, <laughs> it was it was a good decision for us. Um, that's good, man. It's been it's been healthy for us because honestly, that's the thing is I you know I think in my early twenties I was thinking about like uh, just today and tomorrow. I had a vision like down the road, but I I, I very much. Uh, I very much was like making choices without longevity and uh, being able to sustain something in right. mind. Right. And so now I'm moving, going, what is what I'm doing now? What is that? Can I do it? Can I sustain this in five years? And uh, the actions I'm taking now, what do they look like? Uh, what am I sewing into that in five That's, years? I can, I, I can absolutely, go. man. And I think, I think some people are realizing too that, Again, as I've always said this, and you know, no two people's music careers are ever exactly the same. Right. So a lot of people are chasing this dream of I need to be a big mega pop star. And if I'm not that or whatever it is, hip hop star, whatever it is you do. And if it doesn't look like Grammys and world tours and all the type of stuff like that, somehow I've, I haven't been successful. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the numbers don't allow everybody to have the type of career. It just doesn't. You know, if you there's if there's eight million artists, Barry told me this with these stats. He said there's eight million artists around the world that consider themselves independent professional artists, right? Eight million people, seven mm-hmm. billion people on the planet, eight million people consider themselves independent professional artists, right? Yeah. You consider yourself one, you know. Yeah. So there's only about ten thousand people signed to some kind of either major label and some sort of an indie label. So the numbers right there tell you that everybody can't be on a label, indie label, or major right. or whatever it is. So you're gonna have to kind of figure it out and kind of build that core 
which is why I always talk about that stuff because the numbers just don't allow the numbers don't allow everybody to be able to scale to the level of a of a Justin Bieber or or, yes. or people like that. it just the numbers just don't allow it. You know what I mean? Because right. you know, I think um I think the the real benefit to building your own brand over time and building your core is that um, not only does it have, is, is it a, is it a longer career just by, by nature, because you ha- like you've built from like a grassroots kind of uh, ground right. up, place. but right. you also really do get to define who you are and then, and where you go. Um, right. There's, and, and it builds this like other muscle in you that's like, oh, I know what it feels like to, uh, to do stuff before being seen or known for it. Right. And, and the, the benefit to that is that when you do want to take risks and stuff like that, you're nowhere near as terrified because you're like, this is my life this is what I do. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, find, I'll find a way to make it work. I, you know, you're not right. looking so you're not looking so much externally uh, anymore as you are internally as an artist and going I, like I can make it. I can make it and, happen. And I think for you too, because you know I know you you work. You know we'll call it your you know your your day to your gig whatever. But you work in music at the church, right? So yep. Yep. So you get it. You so you're fortunate where you're around music twenty four seven. And I'm I'm a product of like just an. Uh, you know, I've had other, I've had a couple other church jobs, um, doing music directing or worship leading before this one. And, uh, man, it was not a great setup. And I was like pretty done with trying to make that, trying to make that work. Cause I do love the church and I love like, yeah, I was, was going to ask you about, you know what I mean? Because again, I don't consider you a quote unquote inspirational act. Like I consider you right. like a, a secular artist, you know what right. I mean? With, right. with, you know, and I know that can be, you know, <laughs> I know that can be a little bit like, okay, he's doing this or he's doing that or, you know, but by the way, you know, that had nothing to do with your faith. You know what I mean? Right. And I think right. people got to understand that, yeah, you may work in the church, but the, why do you have, why do you have to all, why do you have to just be a CCM guy or, you know, or whatever and you can't do R&B in clubs? Like, you know, I, I never agreed with that. I never, that never resonated as a healthy thing. And I think that's all, that's always been the problem to me with the church and the, sometimes the church culture. Not every church is that way, yes. but it's always kind of been an issue for me. And while I've never really ever wanted to, to work primarily in that kind of corporate church. So I've been asked to do it. Yeah. I never want, it just was never in me. Cause it's just, I thought it's something that's something that you're called to do. You know, mm-hmm. if you're called it, and you kind of know, but for me, it's just I just never wanted to kind of be in that space. So I was always, you know, but it's it's not an easy space to be in because there's always going to be people like kind of you know, to kind of give you the side eye, like you know, what is he doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> I do, I do. That that's that's why I feel like I feel very lucky to be in the the church culture I'm in because um, it's a it's a it's a bigger church, but that's not why that it's not why there's like that freedom there. They they just have a really 
healthy culture. I don't know. Like, yeah, I it's what they closed down. Right. Because I mean, they can, the basketball, like, well, you, you can't do that and be the worship leader. Here. You right. can't sing, you can't sing secular music. And, you know, cause people, cause the people are like, you know, we hear it all the time. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's the devil's music. What are you doing? You know what I mean? Which oh, doesn't like, make any, which doesn't make any sense. Never made sense to me. Uh, but people that think that that whole legalistic part of, of Christianity and, and old Testament stuff and, you know, we don't want to go down that, that that rabbit hole, but but you understand what oh, I mean. <laughs> well, I do, I do, and to tie a bow on it, I just I remember like years ago hearing a guy say, um, the, "the the world will define whatever the church stays silent on," and so I really was like, "Oh, there's actually not a lot of like, like I love my wife, I'm uh, I'm like committed to her. We yeah. have a heck of a lot of fun." Right. Um, uh, you know, we're not all like, so. Yeah. For, and for you do a good job, but you know, I mean, and you know, you do a good, like, you don't, like, I don't, you don't think you post her very much. And not that you have to, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, not that you have to. I think that you, she also understands, like, this is what you do. And you are, and she, I'm sure she understands this is what, this is what you do. And she probably doesn't put the type, type of pressure on you to be like, well, you know, does she, that make sense? She's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And she's incredible. We, we both have like brands. She's in the, the uh, hair and makeup industry. So like okay. that brands and we'll give each other like love nods and shout outs like uh, uh, here and there, but there, we don't have that weird pressure from each other. Like, Oh, put me on your. Yeah. 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 That. So that, that it's, it's, uh, uh I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah that, that can, that can definitely be, I always tell, cause my artist was in the Xavier keys, the one that like, yes. you know, I manage. Yeah. Special, 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 special cat. Yep. And he was going through a situation recently where he was dating a girl. They don't all go together, but she didn't see not everybody can be with the entertainer. Not everyone right. can be with that. You have to be very, very careful. If you're going to pursue this career, you got to be very careful who you partner with because they mm-hmm. they may not get it. And they, Dude, may not under, they may not understand it. You know, and, and they're like, oh, because he has a predominantly female audience. You know, I don't know. If, are you the same way? Do you have a predominantly female audience? It's about, it's about 64, 36 kind of thing. Yeah. So he has predominantly female audience, which makes sense. You guys sing probably like it's expected. I expect you guys to have probably more women, you know, sure. but, but she just didn't, she, you know, cause one, she's a very insecure person. So you can't mm-hmm. be, if you're very insecure, you can't be with an entertainer. It just won't work. It just right. won't work. It won't work. So right. it's very, very important. If you're going to take this career seriously to, um, Make sure you choose wisely because it will, it will, it will bite you on the tail later because it's just going to be unneeded drama and stress on you. And this is already hard enough as it is, and you don't need that coming from home. Oh, it's so true. And I always, I always encourage like, like younger dudes, like, um, let the relationship go out for, like, let it have some, some legs and time with it, and go through some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of like see how that happens you know yeah, yeah you both have to be flexible in that because what what i have seen also is like the pendulum swing where that where dudes are like well i'm not making i'm not you know i'll do whatever i want and it's like 
Um, I think, I think you just have to, the trust has to go both ways and you have to have um, flexibility there. And the, the, if you're a guy in the entertainment industry and your, and your girl's not, uh, it uh, it does take a special kind of girl. It does. Um, Yeah. Before you fall in love, you need to, you need to figure it like you need and to have some it real out, conversations like, and have some real conversations. Like, okay. Are you willing to, because again, too, how you know this, man, the money don't flow in right away. Right. So, okay. You're a married guy and you've been married for a long time. So I'm sure you got to have those conversations too, because in this business, you put out so much, you know, and we'll get into the, you know, business side of your career, but I want to touch on this before we do that. Yeah. Is that you put on so much, uh, effort, time, and money in this. And sometimes you don't see the money come right back, the return come right back in where you'd like it to come oh, in right. other business ventures. You know, because the thing with music, this is this is art and art is subjective. And there's yeah. just no way to, to, there's no objectivity. The only objectivity within the art is creating the product. But after the product is created, it's all subjective from there. Right. So, you know, so that's another thing you have to be careful of, especially, you know, people, if they want to have families, you know, what all that looks like. And, you know, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot to, to partake, but I'm so glad that, bro, that you're pursuing this, that you have the support of your wife, because it does make a difference. It yeah. really does, man. Yeah. It does make a difference, man. Cool. So I would like to ask a question. Where, where were you first introduced to music? What are your earliest memories we better talked about this before and other stuff, but um, it's, I always like to ask this question: like, what do you kind of remember about earliest memories of music? Um, my my mom and dad said I started like trying to play drums at two when I was two. Okay, and I the only I have like the earliest memory I have of playing drums um, was I was like four and a half, and I'm trying to. There was like this. I always played to records. It's part of why I, I almost don't even need a metronome because my meter is so good because I grew up just playing to tracks, which were already on meters. Right. So I just, I'm like, was glued into it. But um, my early, earliest memory was like four and a half hearing like a, a double kick pattern. It's like, like that double, mm-hmm. that double kick. Uh, mm-hmm. And I couldn't do it. And I little, I cried. Um, and then I think like a year and a half later, I was able to get it. So I, uh, but I just remember I, now I look back and I go, that's, that's hilarious. I cried over that. But, um, uh, yeah, man, I, I my early years of music were dr- drums right. and, um, started singing when I was like 10, I did a bunch of like, uh, arts festivals and stuff like that. It's like five, six, seven years old, uh, playing drums. Uh, I would just like go set up the kit and go, um, which was, which was really fun. Started singing when I was 10, then picked up, um, piano around 13, started songwriting around, uh, 16 and 17. And then that's when I picked up guitar as well. Um, cool. and then as a, as a, as a person who was trying to put out music, uh, with a very limited budget, I, I learned recording and that led me into producing. So it was just like, you know, it's just this, this, this industry is very expansive. You can get in and have your right. spot into a, a 10 or 12. Right. Interesting. So you taught yourself how to record. So you taught yourself how to use, how to like, so what did you learn? You learned Pro Tools, Logic? Yep. Yeah. Taught Logic. Yourself how, you taught yourself that? 
I did. I mean, I, I watched a lot of, I watched a lot of peers and people, what they were doing, okay. uh, tried to build relationships to where, when I asked them questions, like, can you help me on this? That it wasn't like I was trying to steal their secrets. Right. Right. Uh, but I did get my hands dirty in that. And I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have like a weak part of the get my game. Like right. I, didn't, I didn't want to, the more I, the more I learned about production, I was like, I started to watch other artists who sometimes like didn't know how to communicate what they wanted. And I was right. like, I never want to be in that position. I want to right. be able to like, now that I know what I want, I want to very much be able to communicate it and be able to do it. Right. So I, I, I didn't want anybody to hold me back in that. So that, that's really, that's really what it was. Bro, that's, that's amazing, man. Because you're not, you know, that, that's cool that you, uh, what I learned too is that creating music is so much of a team sport too. Yes. Uh, because so many times people try to do everything themselves and, you can't do everything yourself. Like, yeah, right. you're going to have an idea of it, but it's so much, the, the biggest records are, are always collaborative. So many people. And <laughs> that's what's funny is like, now I have more of a budget and now I can do a good amount of it myself, but I choose not to yeah. because I want, I do see the, the, uh, the extreme value in collaboration and yeah. having other people kind of put their, they may be like painting with just a, a different, Kind yeah. of palette that I'm like yeah. that I've I've done songs in the past where it was like oh this is exactly what I want to do now I'm like yo do something that I'm gonna be like whoa yeah what is that right yeah, yeah. and, I, th- and the more, I think the more and more you get involved is and become professional but I think again or artists first start they don't have any money so they kind of they right. kind of have to do everything. They, you know, they kind of have to do everything themselves because they don't have anything. Like, so, okay, I'm going to go have to go get a beat for 20 bucks and lease a beat off Beat Stars or whatever. Right. I don't have anything. And I have to learn how to record myself because I can't pay for studio time. And so it becomes a whole thing of I have to do everything myself to when you get to the professional level, you realize, oh, no, the pros do it where everybody comes in and we all work together. And that's how oh, these records God. happen. And it's interesting because when it's going back to Xavier, when so we did a collaboration with Barry uh, and my man King Cole, and they had Xavier was the featured vocalist on the record. And Xavier had never been produced by somebody else before. Mm. He always kind of did his own thing. He realized, right, they spent five days. In fact, he was in Houston, Katie, and they spent five days just on the vocal and the production. That's the production. So for that particular song, you had. Charlie Colello, who's had like 80 hits, you know, as a, wow. as a string, as a ranger. And on the background vocals, you had Sir Earl Toon from Cool in the Gang. So Barry brought in some real heavyweights for that song. And when they brought Xavier in, all the production was already done. And they spent five days on them, just the vocal. That's so sick. Just the vocal. And it just goes to show you like a whole five days just on vocal. That's it. And it just goes to show you that when the professionals do it, I, you know, they spend days on just one aspect of the song. It's a group. It's a group thing. You know what right, I mean? So, right. It's interesting to to when you get to a certain level, like anything. When you get to a certain level, things change. Yes. Because you see the different. Okay, doing it kind of. They call it the JV versus the varsity. You know what I mean? Yes. When you're at the JV level, you're still doing your thing. Well, 
get to that varsity level, you know, it changes. They always say that when you, if you like basketball, the the college game is one speed, but you get to the NBA, oh. it's like a whole other thing. Like the, they always say, that's one of the things the rookies have to get used to is, is the speed of the game because you, you're yeah. saying everybody in the NBA was the was the man of their team. It wasn't just like you know everybody the fit keep the guy down the last guy on the bench was the man on his high school or college team. <laughs> you it's know, so, it's so true. To real. I, actually, it's so funny because I have friends sometimes that will watch college basketball just to like, you know, if we go out or whatever, that only watch NBA and they're like, they can't believe how slow it is. And I'm like, uh, it is true. Like having that perspective from the outside, yeah. Yeah. Uh, watch all the, but um, yeah, I, I actually feel like the last, that's what separates a great song or like a great production from the like a top level production is yeah it's it's not 30 40% it's the last 10% that last 10% gets really expensive though yeah the last 10% it is the is bringing the other people in cuz yeah. cuz what you feel is just that like there's something separating it what is it it's not it's not a large percentage. Yeah. You pay a lot for that last five, 10%, but it's worth yeah. it. I mean, right. It's so worth it. Absolutely. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. And so you've, so you've had a chance to, so I asked you, when did you kind of know, you touch this, when you kind of know, okay, music is something, you want to do this professionally. Like, when did you know, like, okay, I know I can make records, but when did you know, um, Okay, this is something I know I want to pursue from professional. Yeah, this is a. It's been a long process with a lot of turns, but I literally remember going to a concert when I was six years old. Yeah, and I something like was stamped on me. I was just like, "This is what I want to do for my. This is what I know I'm created to do." Yeah, is that early? Yeah, and, um, that's amazing. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. That's awesome, man. And so you had a chance to work with Jan Smith. Obviously, she is the pretty much the best of the best. Yeah, just the vocal coaches. You know what I mean. And, and she calls you. Uh, what did she? What did I have it written down here? She said that you were like a, a vocal athlete. Like yeah. you know, I said oh, that's that's an amazing compliment for you know to come from somebody like her. Yeah, uh, yeah. She worked with a friend of mine, Aaron Kirby. Okay, uh, if you know yeah. her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've known Aaron. I've known Aaron since she was about twelve. Wow. She, she's eighteen now, so I've known her for years. Yeah, so yeah, she, yeah. So she's worked with. Uh, she's been working with Aaron for a long time. That's how I, I personally, uh, my personal connection to her. But I mean, yeah. of course, Usher, Justin Bieber, and you know, so many other people. But to to get that praise from her, like how did how did that feel? Um, it felt it felt like I remember um her telling me some things that really made me feel settled in terms of because singing is so there's some part of it that's just sub- subjective. Somebody, yeah. especially if you have like more of a unique voice, like somebody can just tell you, uh you're amazing. Somebody can tell you you're trash. Right. Um, right. I think having 
you know, having her say that it did make, I remember just feeling like settled, like, all right. It made me want to work harder too. Right. Cause I was like, Oh, this is how you see me. All right. I'm, I'm going to make sure I, I do my job uh, very well. Right. Awesome. I mean, that's, that's awesome. She's dope though. She's dope though. She, she has the vernacular to like, she's almost like a music therapist too, man. Cause there's stuff that I go to her like, and just be like, this is what I'm struggling with in the industry about in this situation. And she'll, she's been there and she knows she like yeah. wisdom and great advice. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Um, and as I said, you saw your musical influences, like so from the pop of Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, all the way spent to the rock side from Led Zeppelin and Queen to you too. Like, what do you what what resonates? What do you feel like you resonate with you the most, and how that how these artists kind of influence your sound and, and what you're doing today? Well, I, I grew up listening to vocal uh, acrobats and kind of like divas like uh, Wendy Houston, Mariah Carey, um, Celine Dion. Right. Um, so they they can just rip apart your soul with their runs and yeah. their tone and things like that. Uh, Michael Jackson has this real ability to have, sometimes you have groove and you don't have emotion and sometimes you have emotion, but you don't have groove. He's got, he's like this, this convergence and synchronicity of groove Everything. and emotion, <laughs> like rip your heart out and like have like a stank face doing it. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then I think, I think the other ones like f- funny enough, Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin, he's actually a blues singer that got pulled into a rock group. So again, I think, oh, it's that, I think it's that, you know, the, the, the soul and the voice, I think that's what pulls me in. And funny enough, Bono, um, even though like, he's like more of a straight kind of voice, there's a lot of soul and, yeah. like there's like there's like lines of a story in his yeah. melodies and the way he sings there's like a lot of ache in it so i think that's really what pulls them all together for me is that is that ache and vibe cool cool man yeah and so that's awesome and so what i love is obviously most about you that that pop on the blend you know which obviously when i first heard you that just resonated completely with me yeah and the authenticity of that you know, because when you're doing, we'll call it for lack of a better term, urban style black music. And by the way, doesn't that term doesn't bother me? It is just is what it is, right? There's a level of authenticity that the culture respects, and I think you're one of those people that the culture respects of what you're doing, and it's. I love it. I love that about you, man. And, and, and Gas Mask Magazine called you an R&B Timberlake Bieber, Sash Bieber, which totally makes sense. I mean, totally, totally. I mean, when the first time I heard the Justified album, I was a senior in high school, I think. Uh-huh. I was like, well, this is amazing. I said, well, when, you know, because you used to hear Justin on the on, on the NSYNC days during that right. time. And then when the, to come up with the Justified record, it's like you didn't hear anything like that from him. And it was just like, wow. And, you know, and it was authentic. I always felt like Justin yes. was authentic. I always felt like, cause, you know, back then, kids today, you and I know, know about the days of TRL. Yes. The old version and BT on Jason Park, right? So, because you got, there was no social media 
back then. So when it comes to B two and Swiss Park, those were kids from the from the from the inner city, from the community that, that that's where you could see people that look like you and talk right. like you and resonated with you. And there's a few people, few white artists that would come on there and get respect. Mm. And I mean, Justin would be one of them. You know, obviously, you know, um, you know, Robin Thicke and, and people like that, but definitely Justin. Yeah. I feel like Justin is authentic. Again, another guy that was authentic. It shows the guys like John B., you know, yeah. authentic to the culture. And that's all we've ever always, I think that's all people in, in the black community always respond to. Just as long as you're authentic to it, and it, wow. and it resonates and it's and we can tell it resonates with you. We have no problem with it, man. I just right. I look at you and I see you, and that's what I think of, like the authenticity of what you do. Yeah, that means the so it's a compliment to you, bro. It just it's 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 an authentic to to it's just the authenticity in your music. It's just amazing, and, and, and so I definitely had to agree with that, you know. But but you also put your own twist on it because you don't sound exactly like it, Justin. You don't right. Sound like both Justin, you don't sound exactly <laughs> exactly like those guys, but you know you can hear the influence of yeah. of your vocals there, man. So yeah. I love thank that. You, thank you, Darrell. Yeah, I love that, man. And so, talk to me about the, the the Marvin Gaye, the sexual healing cover, like that you did. Like that, that's an amazing record, amazing rendition of you. Like, how did that come about? Okay, so a lot of songs take me a lot of time. Some some songs um, take me nine months some songs take me uh you know a week that yeah. that was a song that it was an opportunity like it was going to be a sony published uh uh compilation record of all these motown classics um and uh they basically said hey can you get us this choose a marvin gay song and can you get it to us uh in four days mm-hmm. and i i just went to town on it i did honestly i started out i was like i actually started out on a song uh called you know what's going on that marvin okay. yeah and um but i got into it i was like it's good but uh i knew there was something else so so okay. it's that little knower thing and um gotcha. started thinking around with sexual healing and i was like this is uh this is a vibe. And what I, what I did keep in it was some of the 808 um, kind of drum machine stuff that, 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 if you, that's kind of quintessential to the vibe, like once you can ornament it differently around that, but that 808 I felt like was like the heart, the heartbeat of that track. You know, what's crazy about that song, even the way Marvin Gaye sings is like, there's really no chorus. He's kind of just like going off the whole time. And it makes it, I didn't realize the depth of his artistry until I started trying to sing his songs. I was like, this guy's, I knew he was amazing, but this guy's like yeah, uh, a different level. Yeah. I mean, I think back then, you know, you had real, you had real musicians and real musicianship and it was just different. Yeah. Not to say that in this generation, look, as I, and I was saying this to somebody yesterday, Every generation has their generation, has yeah. their, you know, because there's, there's people, if you ask people now, that look, when hip hop first came out, they're like, this, what is this? What is, what is this rap music? They didn't think rap music was going to become what it is today. It's the number one genre in the world. Right. You know what I mean? Nobody saw that happening from rappers to like 1979. Right. You know, to, right. what, it, you know, to what it is now. So, 
I always say, man, you got to respect the era of what it is. There's going to be kids today that's going to grow up thinking that Drake is the best rapper of all time. Just cause it's just what they grew. It's just they were just when they when they were born in the era they grew up in. So, you know, so I'm always like, look, man, every era is what it is, and it has it's it's great. You had a lot of greats, you know. You had a lot yeah. of great. Now I will say this: you you have less icons today because of the way the way music is moved so quickly. I don't think you have. I don't think you have. I don't think you have none of the iconic artists. You know, I think I think her has a chance to be one. Yes, you know? I'm I about agree. young art. I'm talking about young artists. Obviously, Chris Brown is an icon. Beyonce is an icon. Sure. You know, uh, just to name a couple. Uh, I would have I would have to I would have to put Timberlake in. That's just me. I'm a Timberlake fan, but yeah. But 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 you know, you in this generation, meaning post 2010, you you're not you, you're not going to just because the internet came and it just kind of made it so easy to to make music. I don't think you're going to have as many real icons. You know, I agree you're have you, ushers, usher people like you are just icons. You, you're not going to have you don't have that as much today. Right. Of, the, of just the way music moves. Right. In my opinion. So, I mean, back then you had a lot more icons and iconic artists than you do today. But again, it's just a nature. It's just a, a sound time that we're in pretty much. Not a knock to people. I mean, not a knock to the arts of today. It's just what it is. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more, Darrell. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Um, cool. So. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your live experiences and you kind of double as an MD as well as an arranger, kind of developing the sound of your live tracks. Like, is that something that comes easy to you? Um, uh, it did, but now I'm trying to go somewhere brand new and I'm, I'm, I'm actually like inviting some, a couple people into that to help me. Um, because now that I've got like a full band, uh, playing with me there's there's like some gospel type arrangements just like you would hear like if you go see if you do go see like an usher or a um chris brown or a, a jb like or justin timberlake is perfect example of it obviously a much uh much fewer piece band than like justin timberlake but um but having some of those chops in there uh that part is what I'm inviting. Like uh, uh, there's a guy named Leslie Ratliff um, who is an amazing arranger and uh, pianist and producer. So invite him in to help me put that together um, has, is a, uh, is a game changer. Interesting. Yeah. He's dope. Interesting. Um, but I always I, listen. I, I love creating arrangements uh, for live that are really exciting. Um, but I never want to lose like the feeling of the song. Some arrangements can be so crazy that the original feeling that you felt uh, when you created the song that people are attached to when they come to see you live, they want to experience that. You can deviate from that so much that you don't. They don't connect anymore. So. That's important to me too. Absolutely, man. That's amazing, man. So cool. So I kind of want to, like I said, get a little bit more deep into the onto the business side of your career. We'll talk about that a little bit. So you have all oh, fifty thousand, fifty k, fifty thousand plus monthly listeners on your Spotify. 
Like, how would you say you keep your listenership consistent, like, to that? Because there's a lot of ADRs that don't have 50,000-plus monthly listeners, you know, a month. How do I keep – how do I – How do you keep your listenership consistent? That's just releasing music or, like, you know, because the way the yeah. algorithms work is, like, the thing with the streaming game, you just have to always release, 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 release. Yeah. You know, you know and – What's what's funny, man, is the algorithm is like pretty wild because um, yeah. hands is like the song that uh, is doing the best for me. And that song is like three years old. Yeah. Um, it just kind of got it kind of started like picking up some steam and now and now it's like running on its own. So yeah. the lesson I learned from that is, hey, man, be. I'm glad I'm still like proud of that, but there's songs that like, I look back on, I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have done this there. Or I'm, you know, all I can, all you hear is mistakes post release, but, uh, (laughs) uh, but, um, but the thing I learned from that is like, Hey, a song that you have that you release might, might blow up in three or four years. So make sure that like, whatever you're putting out, like you're, you're like happy with. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, how do you know, how do you approach, you know, building your audience? You know, how do you feel about social media? Because see, here's what I, here's what I figured out. Most artists hate it. Yeah. They hate social media, but I always tell them you kind of have, if you want to do this for a living, you have to embrace it. And I think the reason why a lot of artists hate it because they don't necessarily know who they're talking to or why they're posting. They're just told to post. And not without a real plan of why you're doing it and what you what, what the ultimate goal is. Does that make right. sense? Yes, it does. Makes total sense. <laughs> I, I have I've not liked it in the past because I grew up in the days of where there's a lot of mystery in artistry. Like Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We don't have that anymore. You don't. We don't. Uh, but um but what I will say is like a lot of times why artists don't like it is because they feel like they have to be an authentic and they have to like put something on. Yeah. And um, I think what I've been trying to, to, to learn and put in practice is like, just figure out who you are and do exactly create something around, create a bullseye around that. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. people trying to hit the bullseye um, on the dartboard. And it's like, no, throw the dart and then put a bullseye around it. Yeah. You know, like right. do your thing and then, and then find a way to make it work. Yeah, I, do. I think, yeah, I mean, because what you I do that, I, you do that well. Yeah, you know, because I think for me, so I've created a process called a genesis of super fan building. You've seen me talk about it. And yeah. super fan building, because to me, having a core audience, it's really the only real way that an indie artist will be able to survive in the music industry. Because yeah. there's too many people, there's too many artists for you to go to a major label and scale like we were talking about earlier. So the only real way to be able to make a consistent living over time is to have a core that's going to buy from you over and over and over and over. And over. That's right. So that's, that's the only real way to do it. So a lot of artists don't necessarily know how to build a core. Because what happens is they go on social media and they see, well, okay, I just need to run ads. I'm like ads are great, but when you're first starting out and you don't have a foundation, I don't know if ads are necessarily the best thing to do if right. you don't really know what your message. This is just what this is just from my perspective. You ask you ask a couple other people, they might tell you something totally different. But I'm just one of the I'm just from the mindset of, you know, you have to have a foundation 
of knowing exactly what you're trying to do. Exactly. You know, before you start saying, okay, I'm going to double down and scale and throw a bunch of money into this stuff and see what happens from it. Right. Right. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I couldn't agree more. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. Cool, man. So look, I know you got to run. Uh, so we're going to do a part two. Okay. I love this. Yeah. Right, we're going to do a part two and, and, and finish it up. Cause there's more things I wanted to cover, but I'm so glad that we got a chance to chop it up, man. But before we go, where can the people find you? How can they connect to you? Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, all of those are backslash Highland official people uh, that even know me still spell my name wrong, but it's H Y L Y. There's another, there's a second Y in there. H Y L Y N D official um, or Highland.com. Um, hit me up on Spotify. I, I have a new single coming out um, April 8th and uh, it's called glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. And it's uh it's a nice fusion of sorts. I, uh, I, I hope you guys, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it, man, guys. And it's, this has been another episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast. And this is your host, Darrell Peer. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.